after the last session two days ago, I felt really like happy and excited and relieved. And then I noticed that all my mindfulness was like gone. <laughs> and also later when I something happened that made me kind of anxious and uh, upset, then it was really hard to have any progress. And so I'm wondering if I should just like be very passive from now on and try to avoid any, uh, <laughs> not do anything, <laughs> because obviously my, my mind is uh, not very uh, stable. เออเนี่ยแอนกซิสพิลาร์เนาะเซกาโซยินลาเรจ้องจ่าลาเราอัทวาระแคดเดเลโฮมาตูเตนไหนบ่เลยอัทวาซินซาเรตูแพสซี
question is the first question is pretty much about like uh, what is the mindful way to think uh-huh. <laughs> okay tuwa anubinyatama tuwa sinzare tuwa t20 ne tuwa baji swere babu thu re design twene nabro ho di ทุกทีเลยอ่ะอ่าทุกทีนี่ทุกมาเลยชาปุนี่ทุกชีเนี่ยลงมีหาเลยแล้วลงแต่อะเราตุ้มอ่าเอ่อตุ้มเอาตุ
Like, is it like kind of a, did I totally lost myself somewhere or <laughs> was <laughs> I aware or something like that? เจ้าเนี่ยอะไรเซกอ่ะแต่มาไลน์ไลน์เนี่ยตะดีวินลาล่ะไม่ติเลยเซกไปถั่วไปติเนี่ยตะโลผิดตัวเลยเนี่ย
Um, he says it's a bit like, you know, when the way the mind usually works, when we're not aware of anything and the mind just plunges itself into its experience. Um, it, um, he says uh, there is, uh, there's some attachment at work, right? The mind has some... Um, he uses the simple word greed, right? <laughs> Loba. So the, the, that, that the greed wants to, um, to, to feel its sensations or, or enjoy its um, you know, ex- experiences. And he says it's true that when we bring mindfulness to it, the greed feels like it's being watched, you know? Then it feels like it can't freely do what it has always been doing. You know, um, and he said, when we practice this type of meditation, this, this is the practice we do. And the strange thing is that you know we often say that when we practice mindfulness, you actually are more in touch with the mind, so you are more alive. Because when you don't know what the mind is doing, it's like you're dead to the experience. You don't even know what the mind is experiencing, and. But that when you know nice, it, nice you are fully alive you know? to what the mind can do and all it can experience. You actually know it while it's doing it. And um, so that's supposed to be more alive, you know, and that you can be spontaneous because the mind is with its experience, you know, whatever that is. Um, so, you know, just... Um, but he says... Yeah... And the purpose of this meditation is to understand the nature of this mind and body, you know, and when we understand the nature of this mind and body, we also understand the purpose of um, all these things that are happening in this mind and body. It all starts to make sense. It um, you know, we see the cause and effect processes and, and we, we start to, it's not all just random anymore. It's not just life happening. There's actually some, you know, th- there's a, a, a purpose to it, which is to understand it, you know. So, Siara says... If you want to, um, yeah. If you want to experiment, Seattle says for like two days or three days, you can tell the mind, okay, I don't have to do this for the rest of my life. It's my choice, right? So for two or three days, I will try. I'll drop. You know, I will. Maybe it feels like I can't, you know, be spontaneous. Maybe it feels like I'm not alive. I'll just put it aside for a while and try and see what it feels like. And see what happens if there is some momentum. When the mindfulness becomes more continuous, what does it begin to feel like? And, and then I'll decide. If you want to try. Yeah, thanks. This is a very good idea. Yeah, because there's, there's, no, there's no compulsion. He says, you know, we need to make choices in our life. He says, we will only do what's beneficial for us, what's good for us, right? But we, we won't know until we've tried something out fully. So just try it out, and then, then you can decide, he said. At least you will know for yourself. Hmm.
，我现在如果故障，我地震了，没地震了，不要不不不要，你别信嘛。Yeah, he says if you imagine like the way he imagines it, he says knowing about himself and not knowing about himself, he would rather know himself. 对啦，对的，我本身还不用能对的，老年对的，那第二个，对的对嘛没对。He says, when he thinks, he is aware of what he's thinking. He's when he speaks, he is aware of how he speaks. When he um, does something, he's aware he's doing it. He's aware of his motivations and all. He says, and if there is someone who doesn't know what they're thinking, speaks without, you know, knowing, um, does things. You know, like a lot of us, we can end up saying things without really thinking and all that, right? So he says. Then he says, if you think about the quality of two people, one who is aware of themselves and their choices, and the the other one who sometimes the mind runs away with them, you know, and they're left with what the mind, you know, with with the consequences of that. He says, who do you think will kind of quality? Say a quality. Just put name level. Say not you. Yeah, so he says, just try it out. Yeah, thank you. Okay. One other thing, yeah. you are just saying mind, mind, things, things. <laughs> Everything is so mental, and actually, I'm so tired in living in mental world. I, right. I, I lately I just try to live in my emotional world, in my feelings, in my sensations, and right. Okay, emotion and feelings. I think they are two different things. Emotions, okay, they can come from mind, which yes. I think when my personality, yes, and like what I like or dislike or. Uh, yeah, but feelings. I think it's different. It doesn't come from mind. It comes from heart and how to like integrate this in this meditation and uh, mindfulness, right? Because these feelings I cannot control. It doesn't come from. What I have learned, or what I want, or not—it just—it's a bit mystery. What sort of feelings? Like, like I don't know, fate or unconditional love or oh. joy out of nothing. Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah. This okay. kind of feelings, yeah. So you're not calling which them. Which comes emotion. from the source? <laughs> okay. It doesn't come from. I think I like it or. Ah, I see. I see. What I, you I, mean. I haven't learned that apple is uh, tasty and. Uh, Banana is not tasty. Or right, right, right. Okay. Black people are nice, and white people are not nice. Right, right. Tua, um, the tua, um, the people are masika akono na longda ne nyane to do well is say dama tua di gaune maniara to mind mind pito na tua gaune maniara to pe manire na tua na ne kanzamu ne. ตัวอะไรเนี่ยเอ่อคันซ้ําหมู่เนี่ยที่คันคันนักคันซ้ําหมู่เนี่ยตัวโพติเจเนี่ยบอกเลยเนี่ยเนี่ยโพบรอหม
It's just terminology. Not yeah. only the dog name, I said, I'm Terminology-wise, in, in Buddhism, there's one word for the mind and the heart. It's chitta. Okay. One word for mind and heart? Yes, it's chitta. Because yes. although in English we separate the mind and the heart, um, in, in Buddhism, the chitta is the source of everything. And in English, uh, the chitta has been translated as the mind. That's, or you can call it consciousness. Okay, so that's that. That's the been the translation for the word chitta. And everything starts from the chitta. So the chitta is the source of our thoughts. It's the source of our feelings, and it's um, it's the source of the fact that we can feel things on the body. That's also the chitta that's doing it. So you know the chitta. So this becomes a, a, a the just like a, it becomes like a lesson on Buddhist terminology, but um, because the the chitta, let, let's, it has so there's okay I'm I'm going to use the word mind again so there's say there's chitta so there is it, there's an, actually another word but we we call it like matter and mental. Okay, so there's, there's materiality or matter and there's, there's mental. So the mental part is the alive part of the body in Buddhist terminology. And that is what we call the chitta. And the chitta is the, the basis of everything else. So there's many ways of categorizing it. One of them is that there's only one category for the body that's, man, that's material. The rest of it, there's, uh, there's feeling, consciousness, perception and everything else that happens in the mind in the chitta, in the mind. So it's sort of like our whole being is the chitta. You know, it, it, everything. So whether we call it emotion or feeling, in Buddhist terminology, is the same thing. They're all felt, mm -hmm. right? So if it's felt, it's something we can know about this mind and body or this no, chitta and body, right? Right, so, so something that's felt is known by the chitta, you know, knowing the consciousness is also the chitta. It's, it's just a different function. The chitta does so many things, but it's just a different function. And then, um, yeah, so there's, there's Nietzsche. perception giving meaning to these functions, right? And like now, in, like when we use words, it's also the work of perception. And you've tried to define feelings and emotions, but for me, they're the same thing, you know, because in my perception, that's how I've learned it. So there is this process, yeah, this is, of this chitta working together with the body and how they affect each other. And he says some of the processes that happen, um, you know, it, it brings um, well-being to the mind. Some of the processes that happen in the mind and the body, they don't bring well-being to the mind. And when we um, watch our, our chitta and, and body, and, you know, you can call it the heart, when you watch your heart and the way it interacts, when you watch um, 
the mind, the heart, the feelings, the emotions, the body. He says, you can watch all of this because it's all in here. He says, when you start to see the processes that bring well-being to the mind, the processes that don't bring well-being to the mind, your mind will choose what's, what's beneficial to itself. And that's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So you don't differentiate mind and heart? No, you not in, in the Buddhist mind. terminology. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it for me. Like if I if I say, mm. it means the same thing to me. My heart is what thinks. In English, yeah. sometimes we, we, the way we've been conditioned is we we associate mind with thinking. But here, the word mind is just used differently. It's to encompass everything subjective, everything not material. So then we could say, oh, mind is. So we say mind, then we keep hearing about this mental process, but it actually includes joy and love and and all those qualities that you were talking about. This chitta. That's chitta, yeah. 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 Okay, so it's very. It's everything then. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ask me, my my heart thinks, it's not my head that thinks, you know. Mm -hmm. My mind feels. Yeah. My heart feels, and yeah, and the mind feels too. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, they're the same thing. <laughs> so, if you're knowing that joy is present, when you're knowing that love is present, you're not here. We would say you're knowing your mind, mm. but you can say you're but knowing your heart. You can also say you're knowing your heart. And sometimes people, you know, in talking about the Dhamma, we might say heart mind, just say to say both, so that yeah. in language we're including both. Yeah. But the way we're conditioned, if we say mind a lot, then we hear this sense that we're just kind of climbing up into the attic. Into the head. You yeah. know, of the head. Yeah. But it's, it's everything. So when you say these qualities that you're noticing, which are beautiful qualities in the Dhamma, sympath- you know, joy, love, loving kindness, compassion, those qualities we say is citta, mind heart. And knowing the mind heart is being mindful of mind, of chitta, and then knowing the body is knowing body, body sensations, right? So then we just make that, and you don't even need to make the distinction too strong. It's really to develop the ability to know what is, what is happening, right? Mm-hmm. So that when there are conditions that are leading to some suffering, oh, we know what is the cause that's leading to the suffering, and then when, when there are experiences that we are very clear, this is a good quality of mind, joy, right? When we have this sense of being connected and caring for others, oh, this is a skillful state of mind. We know this is a skillful state of heart, heart-mind, right? So it's just the knowing. It's the knowing. And use the words that you feel mm-hmm. comfortable yeah. to mm-hmm. help you to be aware. So if thinking about being aware means you're climbing into thinking about tasting and joy, then use different words like feeling or knowing, knowing your emotions, right? Just very directly knowing. Because the words can sometimes interfere with what it is that the mind is, is naturally knowing. Yeah. Right? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's true. It's just a little getting used to, because the terminology can sometimes get us off track when the words are not quite making sense to what, the way we, we hear them. Because for me, for a long time, mind, 
It's mind, but the heart feels, and I had very similar. But and then I realized, really oh, mind and heart. Huh? But it really feels. If I feel something, it's here, the center. Yeah, it feels. And if yeah. I think, then like in brain somewhere, here is uh-huh. like heat. It's like... Yes, that's and that's fine. And that's totally that's fine to hold it that way. I mean, even with the Burmese language where the chitta encompasses both, if I say feel, I think of this area my, near my heart. And when I say think, I think of near my head. It's just a conceptual way we feel it. But when we're um, in another bit of... Uh, in another part of the, as we practice, we also start to lose the boundaries. You know, we also start to see that all of it is just processes. Then it, it stops being in the mind or the heart or a place. It just is um, things that you know that are happening. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it's common, Seattle says, for us to feel these distinctions because very often when we feel something, we feel it in the heart area, in this area, in the chest. We feel tension, joy, all, all of the suffusing, all that comes from here. And then when we think a lot, we start getting a headache, right? Mm-hmm. There are yogis who, if you ask them to look at emotion, they say they feel nothing here. Then, then for them, it's really hard for them to use those words. Then we just find another word because it doesn't matter what the word is. Mm. <laughs> okay. Knowing your experience, right? You know your experience. That's the part. Yeah, that's what Seattle is saying. Just know your experience. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. However you feel you know it, that's... The awareness just helps us to know. Mm-hmm. It just helps us to know. And then we can know what to, what to generate more of, right? So we know what's, what's skillful and we generate more of it. When we see what's unskillful, the wisdom over time learns that lesson and slowly that gets weakened. We're not feeding it. But you see people that if they don't have any awareness, they don't know how they're living. And they're developing all kinds of habits of heart and mind. But they don't see the cause and effect process because they're just kind of lost inside their their experience and they don't know awareness gives us the information that we can see oh this is really like a beautiful thing to develop great we we develop that we grow that and there are hard qualities there's also wisdom qualities all the qualities that are beneficial we keep strengthening them and we also want to learn about you know not deceive because so often in practice we try to avoid things that we don't want to look at but what we don't look at stays very powerful. So we also slowly want to see how does the mind judge and criticize, just to be honest so we can see what is happening there, what is the process that I need to learn some, something about that. And in seeing it, we put down that burden. Right? This, these ways in which maybe the life becomes more narrow because we don't want to go certain places in our experience. Oh, but just opening slowly to see that, oh, good. Then the life starts to open more fully. Everything we need to know, we know. Right? What is skillful, what's unskillful, what's wholesome, what's unwholesome. That's what awareness and wisdom over time gives us, is this chance to see our life clearly. See, what, what is this life? Heart and mind. What is this heart and mind? This process. Yeah, it's kind of psychotherapy. 
just in a bit distant way because here you are psychotherapist to yourself. Could be. Yeah. Psychotherapist side on. Right. To oneself? What? Psychotherapy, I when we know ourselves well, Seattle says, yes, we can be like a psychotherapist for ourselves, um, but it can be so much more. Mm. There is the understanding of this mind and its difficulties and the wisdom understanding how to unravel and resolve those difficulties. (coughs) But then there's the truth of the way all this life is and understanding that sets the mind free. It's when we don't know what's happening in this mind, in this heart mind, that we get caught in its traps. Because the heart mind has both skillful and unskillful qualities. But if we don't know them, we're at their mercy. They do what they want. We don't know why we're sad. We just have to be. Sometimes we're angry, we don't want to be, and we can't help it. Sometimes we're happy and want to keep it, but we can't. Mm. Just learning. You know? When, you know, when we're not in touch with the heart mind and, and, and if we haven't learned, if we haven't been learning about it, he says, it can get to a point that the heart mind can really torture us back. Yeah, I mean, he, he suffered, you know, he did whatever he wanted in his life. And then it, then the heart man came back and tortured him. You know, he, he was afraid, he had paranoia, he was depressed, he, he, he was shaking when he had to uh, meet people. He, um, he, but his, the good luck he had was that he had learned to meditate and very well from a very young age. But he never meditated at home. He did it in the monastery. He came home and just forgot about it because he was just, just wanted to have fun. And then when all that depression and anger and everything came up, all the dissatisfaction with his life and the things he had to do came up, he said his mind really just beat him, you know. And then he started trying to practice at home. And then, and then when, you know, day after day after day of just trying to... He didn't think that he was going to get better. It just made him feel a bit better to be mindful than, than to let that fire consume him. So if he was knowing it, he was a little further from the fire. So he just kept doing that. And then after a year, two years, he began to understand so many things about it that then the tables were turned. He, he wasn't, the heart mind didn't torture him, then it served him well. Same heart and mind. He learned how to manage the stuff that his mind gave him, like all the anger and all the, the rage that his mind had. He found out how to how to to soften them, how to put them out, how to put out those fires, how to live more peacefully. All learned slowly.
when he didn't know, everything was hard. Very hard. Everything was very hard. Yeah. Every day. He said waking yeah. up in the morning was hard. <laughs> Getting to work and doing the work was hard. Talking to a customer was hard. Everything was hard. So, but he, he discovered through that process of trying to meditate at home that this is what happens. That if you know the mind, it can become very skillful and then it's, it's a, it's a, it's, then it becomes a good servant instead of a bad master. Mm. And then he, you know, his mind chose to do the things that are, that are also, that are skillful for the mind, that are kind for the mind, that gave the mind less suffering. That's what he learned to do. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like a very tough experience. Yes, I think when he was through going through it, it was tough. We can only hear about it. He went through it. And it gives a lot of hope and joy to look at you and see. Yes, he says, He says, It's not knowing that will give us trouble. What happening? We don't know what happening. We don't know how to do. Then you have no way out. Can <laughs> yeah. Then you suffer, he said. Thanks for this inspiring sharing. Yeah, and this happened to him. Yeah, this happened to him at. He said by the time he got to the age of 30, he had this very, very bad depression and uh, paranoia and all that. Before that, he had it twice. So it was already coming, you know. Life was not going the way he wanted. And he had his first depression and then he said... Sort of like, you know, he was still young, so somehow he sort of muddled by and it sort of left. And then he got a second attack of depression. And then he said that time he, he sort of was like, I am not going to be like this, you know. Like he was so fed up of his mind being so sad every day. He was like, not like it. And he used anger, he said. And he sort of like, like, he was like, I'm going to get out of this. And he sort of got out of it, like gave energy to his mind. But he said the third time it hit him, he said there was no energy to fight back. Each time the wave of depression came back, he said the depression had learned more about him than he had learned about the depression. So it it was more powerful. It knew how to... He said he, he thinks he was lucky that he, tr- he began to try so hard with the third depression because he thinks maybe if he had a fourth, de- if he survived that without meditating and really getting over it, if he had a fourth one, he said maybe he would have committed suicide or something. <laughs> you know, it's it exactly. very bad. Okay, so. Yeah. Can we go back to that uh, question? It's <laughs> still troubling my mind. Sure. Uh, so quickly, if I get it right, so the untrained mind can only like handle one task at a time, but as you keep practicing, you can start being aware 
of how your mind works and like multitasking. Is did I get it right that you will start noticing. Yeah, you will start noticing connections. What is the way to that state because you don't try like... to get to that state. That's the important <laughs> thing. You don't try to get to that state. Yeah. But I mean there's like external objects an internal object maybe that's Yeah, there's uh, the explanation is really long. If you would read one of the books there are much more. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah is giving a more general answer. He says like one of the uh, for example, he says the one of the basic reasons for suffering is we suffer when we are having dosa. Dosa is where we resist or we don't want what's happening now. Okay? So um and the reason for not wanting what's happening now the way things are is because we want something else so that's loba and he says when we have a lot of unfulfilled desires loba is desire when we have a lot of unfulfilled desires yara says the mind starts to collapse around all the things that it doesn't want that it has you know so the, it it sets up the mind is always setting itself up in this way but we if we don't see the patterns we just like at their mercy Sarah says, if you even just think of a man alone in the forest with just ten things that he that work for him, and if one thing starts working, Sarah says, already the person starts to feel a little bit difficulty. Nine things still work, you know. One thing doesn't work. The person will already start to have a little bit of difficulty with his comfort sense of whatever. He says, if five things don't work, that person is going to ha- be in pretty major like upheaval. When they can't get all ten, he says, what do you think is happening to this person's mind? They can't sleep, no water, you know, <laughs> you know, all sorts of things. That, if you just think of. Yeah, very simple scenario. So that's how powerful the mind is unless it's prepared. Yeah, so in my in in our lives, Sarah says we we pick up so easily things that we desire, not knowing the danger that if we don't get it, the mind has a reaction to it. And when we collect all these reactions and there's some snowball reaction happening, there's so many things collect the mind is collecting all the time. He realizes on hindsight that you know what his mind collected from very young, even when he was meditating, his mind had a lot of greed for fun. He wanted fun. Even meditation, he made it fun. You know, he had good concentration, good experiences, he would, you know, fun. If he couldn't get it, he would get into a real <laughs> you know problem mm. um but um he says but that's why he started and you know he found lots of friends to have fun with and all that all, throughout school and university but he says when when he stopped being able to have that fun very quickly like mm. just early 20s like right out of university and he was starting to have depression already mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's why we meditate. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's why okay. people are meditating. 
Okay. A lot of people, they because of suffering, they come to meditate because of they mm. free from suffering. The only the way you can, like a mat, is from blue beyond my ear. Soon that he's on the field. Oh, yeah. You know, do you dishon? You never can see. Yeah. That's sick. I do love it. The mind is the mind, the heart mind is like water, you know? What you need, it's water that makes mud, right? Mm. But if you want to wash the mud away, you have to use the water. And our heart mind is the same. It can make itself into mud, but if you want to clean that mud away, you use the heart mind again in the right way. <laughs> Nobody can do it for you. Yeah, I like that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like this. <laughs> Back to business. Back to business. <laughs> Back to the hard mind. That was your question. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.